Welcome to the Leaders Edge podcast. I'm Sandy Laycox, Editor-in-Chief of Leaders Edge. Our readers tell us all the time how much they love the personal interviews we do of industry executives, our famous back page in the magazine. Well, we've been listening and are now bringing you these conversations in their longer form via a new podcast series. Our longtime Personal Lines writer and associate editor, Chris Hand, gives you a peek into the fun and thoughtful conversations he is having with some of the most successful people in insurance. I am so pleased to present our inaugural episode, Chris Hand with New Front's Chief People Officer, Amy Stedman. I'm pretty sure this is, uh, you are the first Chief People Officer I have ever interviewed for for one of these Personal Lines. Uh, Is that? Is that, uh, I'm wondering what that is. Is that, is that a, a newfangled way of saying human resources director or you tell me? It is, it is. And I don't know how, how new, newfangled <laughs> it is, but yes, that is what okay. that represents. And okay. perhaps maybe um, a, a new view of um, human resources is, is um, tied to that. Right, right, right. So tell me a little bit about that. What, 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 how might a chief people officer differ from a what, what was human traditionally resources. the human resources person? Well, I you know we think of we and by we I mean my team, um, the the people operations team. You know we think of ourselves as being responsible for everything that pertains. I mean I'm going to say to making um, Newfront a great place to work, and so um, you know in the past I think. Um, human resources was often compartmentalized as, you know, uh, personnel matters. And I mean, going way back, personnel matters, maybe compliance and, um, you know, uh, you know, back office stuff. And now it's really about engagement and the employee experience and um, obviously attracting and retaining talent. And, um, building a great culture so that people want to work at our organization. So it's all those other things too, but so, you know, so much more. And, and we see ourselves as um, providing support and resources to the, the uh, business leaders so that they can in turn become, or be, I should say, be or become um, experts at, at all those things, at employee engagement and attracting and retaining talent, and so it becomes a, a you know a nice um, organization that's based on employee engagement. What makes uh, uh, Newfront uh, a good company to work for? Well, I think it um, actually just we just learned um, last week that um, Newfront has um, been ranked on the Glassdoor best places to work, <clears throat> excuse me, which is a really exciting and, and it was unexpected. Um, and that, I don't know if you're familiar with Glassdoor. But I'm not, so, so tell me what that is and congratulations well, Glass, by the way. And pardon me um, for coughing, but Glassdoor is, it's a, a site where um, employees, either former or current or even candidates can go and rate an organization based on oh, their wow. experience. Okay. The yep, <laughs> and yep, they yep. can do so anonymously. So we have no idea who is going in and talking about what it's like to work at Newfront, but enough right. people did, chose to do that and say, 
you know, and share that their experience was a positive one so that we were ranked among the, the top Glassdoor employers. That's so fantastic. We were really happy about that. And especially so early on in our merger, I, my, you, you're probably aware, but ABD and New Front merged in, um, in just in August, and we're still um, bringing the organizations together and in and, um, and an exciting way. And so that was really, that was heartening to to get that to see those accolades and and hear from our employees that they feel as good about the merged company as they did about their previous legacies um, well and so to answer your first question about you know what what makes you know what makes an organization a good place to work I think it's an organization with leadership dedicated to the culture at at its core and um, I can say that 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 is true of New Front. Um, and maybe even going one further to say that um, leadership and team members that believe culture is a differentiator for success. And that is true at New Front. Okay, let me ask you about that. When you talk about dedicated to the culture at its core, uh, mm -hmm. tell me, um, tell me what, what distinguishes New Front's culture? What defines it? When leadership is um, focused enough on culture to make it a differentiator, it can really, I, you know, I think it makes all the difference, you know, from a from a su success perspective. So, um, you know, what I think is different about New Front is that um, we are focused on bringing people in to, in a way that they can be, they can do the best work, that, you know. Of, I mean, hopefully of their lives, but certainly of, you know, where they are currently in their, mm -hmm. in their career. And, you know, by providing the support, by providing um, the investment in their development is, is really key. And, and we hear a lot about that being important to, um, to professionals. Um, by providing good, good managers and good relationships. And, and when I say provide, I mean, you know, we invest a lot of time and um, energy, excuse me, in um, making sure managers are, are focused on their people. Like a good manager is a really important piece of an organization. And um, and then finally, I think um, another differentiator is um, flexibility. And we've heard over the years and never has it been so, um, you know, front and center as during this very strange pandemic. Um, that flexibility is not, it doesn't just make work, um, you know, amenable or, or easy. It actually allows people to lean into doing the work the way they can be their best. And so we've really adopted that, that as key to how we, how we work with our folks. Well, I guess uh, somewhat related. Let me ask you, uh, it, I'm, I'm, I'm looking behind you and I'm guessing that you're at working from home. I am. Uh, <laughs> how have you and how has your company coped in, in the, the age of COVID? It's not been easy um, and there have been some opportunities. And so to the extent that we could look at it as an opportunity, we've really tried. Um, 2020, I'll say for, um, for our company was definitely, um, eye-opening and we, we did everything we could 
um, intentionally to bring our folks together and bring our folks together is a relative term when everyone's working from their you know living room or kitchen or whatever um, and layer onto that the social un unrest that happened in 2020 I can honestly say Chris looking back it, it actually brought our company together it brought a lot of our um, of our employees into a space where they were even more um, uh, committed to um to the company and and us to them so i you know it was it was um it's it solidified a lot of what our values were you mm -hmm. know so grace under pressure i guess yeah, um yeah and and it has set us up for okay we recognize things are forever changed and so what do we mean to do about that and in this remote world, some people are just fine with it. Some people really don't like it. And some people are looking for, you know, an end or at least what's the new normal going to be. So we are really trying to be conscious about what that is um, while adhering to this concept of flexibility so that people can continue to to work in their best in their best way we adopted what we call the four c's chris so that we're going to use our office space when it is safe and appropriate for everyone to come together to um to connect to create to collaborate and to celebrate um so the four c's are kind of what we're hanging our hat on for bringing everyone together recognizing as i said things are probably not going to go back to the way they were that has to be especially complicated for someone like a chief people officer who yeah, you must be dealing with all sorts of issues that you just never dealt with before that's right that's right there's a bit of crisis management and crisis response um that is part of the role of a chief people officer and and my team um and the pandemic was a new one for all of us um and so meeting that you know head on was was fun and interesting um and what an interesting know, experience that you wouldn't want to repeat that's exactly right thank you and <laughs> it's funny our ceo asked the other day what are you he asked the question of our executive team what are what are we most looking forward to and what are we least looking forward to um with the coming year and my what i said i was least looking forward to is the next crisis because I'm all I'm fine with crisis management, but I'm just trying to imagine what it could possibly be. Right? <laughs> given how could it be more fun or interesting? What given what's happened? What is it? I think it might be alien invasion. I'm not sure what <laughs> what else it could be. I I really don't know. I hadn't so, considered that one, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope not. Right. I guess. And yet, in the middle of all the mayhem, you. Uh, 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 transacted a rather significant um, um, coming together of, of two companies. Um, yeah, how, how, how did that, uh, and again, that seems to me that that sort of a merger seems to me that uh, it, it would, it would be especially complicated for someone in your, in your position. How, yes. how did you, how did you pull that off in the middle of a, of a, of a global plague? Well, um, maybe not as gracefully as I would have liked to, but <laughs> but here we are. Here we are today. Um, you know, in in the midst of or perhaps past the the 
pr preliminary integration and really, you know, in, in the throes of, of bringing two companies, two cultures together. Mm -hmm. And it is um, truly exciting and, and what we aspire to do and what we're doing today and what we aspire to do are, it's a great story, I guess, is what I'll say. And so doing that amidst or during the pandemic I don't know, I guess it just added another layer to, you know, to what was already kind of wild um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, but it's, it, it has been exciting. It's, um, it is um, a great challenge for someone in my role and for our team to be bringing two cultures together because um, that's not something that, you know, happens every day. And um, when there are two organizations with, their own really great cultures you want to bring them together in a way that preserves what was amazing about each of the two cultures and and also um establish one for the new organization that will you know drive that success i mentioned earlier forward so it's um it's a great challenge for someone in my role and i'm really um i'm really excited to be in the midst of it what was the trickiest part? That sounds like a like a, a real uh, balancing act uh, going through that sort of a process. Uh, when you talk about not just merging companies, but merging cultures, uh, what was the trickiest part for you from your position? Well, um, I guess, it, well, to, to, be, to be honest, one, you know, the first thing you want to do is try to get to know your new partners, right? And um, build the trust and understand what what drives and motivates them so that you know you we can bring everyone along and doing that in a pandemic doing that over zoom was maybe not the way I'd choose to do it so <laughs> so um so so that added an element of trickiness um to you know just the the fundamental of getting to know each other and then bringing yeah. together you know the two organizations in that same vein trying to get 700 people to get to know each other over zoom is not how we choose to do it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. looking for ways to get people together and getting to know one another and understanding, you know, their skill sets and their, and their workflows like that, that over zoom was probably the trickiest part. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to back up. Um, okay. I, I had asked you to send me a little bit of a, of a biography, and, and, and I'm very grateful that you did so. And in part of that biography, you wrote that in terms of growing up in Southern California, and this is a quote, beach going was my childhood. Mm -hmm. Now, that sounds like you skipped a lot of school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean, beach going was my childhood? You know, um, growing up, my parents um, were beachgoers. My brother was a surfer. Um, we That was just what we did. You know, it was Saturday morning. So we packed everything up in the Grand Torino and drove it down to the beach. And that's where we spent our days. And um, really from the time I can remember, that was just our activity and any and then once we were there, that's, you know, anything that we could do on the beach, we did do on the beach, whether it was, you know, in the water or on the volleyball court or, you know, it, it was just how we spent our time. And then, uh, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, we were junior lifeguards. So it was just kind of where my radar took me. 
And it's funny because then when I think about people who didn't live on the beach, I, this is my naive childhood view. Like what could people possibly do with their time if they're not going to the beach? I didn't, I didn't understand as a you know kid what alternative activities there were. So that's what I mean by beach going was my childhood. Well, I think Gran Torino were the two key words in that answer. Once, once you said Gran Torino, it all sort of fell into place and all, all made sense. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay. Um, tell me uh, when you weren't going to the beach, mm -hmm. what, what, what were you doing? What was, what was your favorite class in, in high school, let's say? Oh, you know, I am, I'm a reader, so um, I, I do really like to read and I, I tend to read historical, historical novels. So I do remember, you know, English and literature and history as being kind of where my, where my attention would, would go. Those were probably my favorites. And it's funny, my daughter now tells me that she has those same favorites and those teachers, those profess professors tended to be the most inspirational to me as well. So I remember them most distinctly. You also wrote something that I want to ask you about. You said you cried when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died because, and this is a quote, because I'm passionate about, about elevating women's place in the world. Because I'm passionate about elevating women's place in the world. So how does that passion manifest itself for you at New front. Well, I've um, I've really been committed to our um, diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, um, and specifically with respect to women, I um, am the executive sponsor of our women's ERG, which is called uh, New Her. New, it's a play on New Front, New Her. And um, I worked with two of, you know, two colleagues whom I admire so much, Sarah Schwartz and Christina Varner, um, who are the co-leads of that ERG. And we were the initial ERG in our, at, at our legacy company. And um, so I am committed to spending my time and energies, making sure that women are a part of that ERG and that 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 ERG has influence for our entire organization and, and can make a difference. Um, and so when I think about specifically um, we elevating women, um, you know, we really are trying to, to turn attention to sponsoring women. Um, you, you may have read, and, and this is, certainly not my, my um, saying, but women are over-mentored and under-sponsored. And so I really want and am passionate about making sure that the women in New Front are sponsored so that they can grow in their career and they can be elevated, not just at New Front, but in our industry. And then, you know, preferably more broadly. And when you say sponsored, tell me what that means. That means sponsoring someone is like is not just telling them how what they should do or how they should change, but sponsoring is representing them when they're not in the room. And so, if you're in a position of of leadership or power, um, and there's an opportunity to grow someone, expand someone, you know, shine the light on their skills or talents, and you do that 
even when they're not in the room so that that you know it, it happens all it happens all the time among men peers they you know they bring their friends friends colleagues along um and i want to i hope to see that practice become completely natural for women as well and for men on behalf of women sponsoring women mm-hmm. okay is there a business leader? And I, I, I guess I'm thinking, is there, a, is there a woman business leader in any industry, insurance or otherwise, who you most admire? Well, there's a lot. Um, I'm, the, you know, Cheryl Sandberg comes to mind. Um, but you know who I... The, the, when you asked the question, who really popped into my head is, I don't know if you're familiar with Carol. Um, oh, am I going to get her name wrong? Shoot. Dweck? Carol Dweck. Um, she's a professor at Stanford. Okay. And, and she wrote a book called uh, Mindset. And I read the book, um, to be honest, when I was early stage parenting, when I was trying to trying to be a better parent. And her, her theory is that you can either have a fixed mindset or a learning mindset. Mm-hmm. And that having a learning mindset means that, you know, you're not limited in what your skills or you're not limited in your own skills. You can always learn and, and grow and build more. And, and it was, she wrote it and I read it in the context of parenting, but it's so relevant to business um, because if you're in a business and you have a fixed mindset and you think that, you know, whatever your current intelligent or your current skill set is is all you have, um, then you're 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 so limited. And so I love the idea of you know a learning mindset. And I think in my role and in our industry and our organization has a collective learning mindset. It's just it it the sky's the limit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, did, so, it, did it make you a better business person yes i think having that learning mindset is crucial and um you know it helps with i'm going through a merger for example or getting through a pandemic or um you know d- disrupting an industry if you think that you can learn more and change and you're always open to that i it I think it it's um, it makes all the difference. How about as a parent? Definitely as a parent. Definitely as a parent. I found myself, I've I've found myself saying to my daughters, um, you know, I've never they're they're older now, but you know, I've never been the parent of a seventeen year old before. So I'm learning as we go here. And um, when you when you kind of take on any challenge with that mind with that in mind then you know you a it gives you a little bit of grace you can figure it you know you can figure if i make a mistake i'll learn from it and i'll do something different the next time um but it also brings everybody to the same page that um you know we can we can learn these things together as we go that was Leaders Edge Associate Editor Chris Han and New Front Chief People Officer Amy Stedman. I hope you enjoyed this inaugural personalized episode, and we can't wait to bring you the next one. Tune in at leadersedge.com.